Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome, intrepid co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. Wow, I had to clink Ivan's glass. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If this is your first time listening to this show, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. There we go. And uh, on today's episode, we are going to be traveling back to my birth year, 1985, to review The Goonies. Wait a minute! Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Hey, my Realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy goonie adventures. Meet Mikey. I gotta go fast. Brand. Andy. Shame, shame. Oh, come on, Brand. Slip with the tongue. That's disgusting. No, I can't even look. Mouth. I gotcha. Now get out from behind her. You're ruining the painting. You're ruining my joke. Stephanie. Data. Boy, Bango. Guys, isn't that neat? And Chunk. They call themselves the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend, but they're not alone. Chunk, I hope that was your stomach. No. Discover what they uncover. Rubies and emeralds and diamonds. The lost map. The Goonies is a movie, as I said, that came out in 1985. It's directed by Richard Donner with a screenplay by Chris. Chris. Chris Chris Columbus um, and a story by Steven Spielberg so a lot of creative talent that went on to make uh, a lot of subsequent family films and films that are very much in this tone and uh, milieu it's an adventure story about a group of boys who live in Oregon whose um, homes are about to be foreclosed upon uh, one rainy afternoon they discover a hidden treasure map that uh, leads them on an adventure uh, to find uh, the, the long lost tre- treasure of one-eyed Willie so um, that's the movie this is um okay let me just state this right now we're doing this podcast completely wrong like for this episode (laughs) because okay so i have no attachment to the goonies i didn't really watch it until i was too old to probably appreciate it in a way that i know it has resonated with many i I first saw it in high school uh when i was uh like a freshman uh spanish class when the spanish teacher didn't feel like teaching he put on the goonies because (laughs) there is a character that speaks spanish in it oh my god and that was the education that i received (laughs) in my virginia high school um and i also know because mike and i are um uh i know mike's opinion on this film i know he saw this later in life as well so he doesn't have that nostalgia that uh, hold on don't don't speak for me okay i'm just saying that that is that is my anticipation so actually i'm going to start with dave even though this was mike's choice and i am begging you dave 
I hope this movie was a very important movie for you as a childhood. So <laughs> as a child, so we have something to talk about. <laughs> so oh. what, what 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 was your familiar? So the Goonies comes out. You're uh, you're six, right? When the Goonies comes out, so you're like prime Goonies age. I'm no, I'm only six if it came out in oh, 1982. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> You're, uh, if it came out in 1985, you're I'm, I'm, you're, you're 10, right? I'm nine. Nine, whatever. Nine. I can't do math. Welcome to the math podcast, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the math podcast, where we do basic great radio. People great radio. Age. Um, I'm nine years old. This movie came, comes out. So you're you're like prime Goonie age. I am prime Goonie age. Good point. Yeah. So Perfect. you love the Go- you love the Goonies, right, Dave? Uh, I know, honestly. Shit. <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of... Okay, so this is one of those movies that um, that is... It, it kind of gets by on nostalgia, right? Because so many people saw this. It was, this movie was made for people at a certain age, I guess my age at the time. Yeah, you, and, Dave. And, you know, they, and people people see the movie and, and uh, they think, you know, people who don't... Um, you know, it's the kind of movie you see when you're a kid a bunch of times, and then you don't see it for like 20 years, and then you go back and you watch it again. He's like, "This movie isn't that. This is this movie's okay. This movie's not that great. It's okay. Remember him. Remember her. Whatever happened to that guy? Whatever happened to them? I wonder if the Goonies' house is still there. And you think about all the stuff uh, because the Goonies uh, really wants you to get wrapped up in uh, in its adventure. And it's uh, I'll just jump right to my opinion. I think it's a good. I think it's uh, I think it's an okay movie. I th- I was really expecting to to not actually like it at all because i remember seeing this movie a few years ago and thinking this movie doesn't hold up really at all like in any way this movie's kind of bad um and I, I do remember seeing it as a kid and really being excited about seeing it and loving it um but it's not the kind of movie that i revisited it's not the kind of movie that i, I watched over and over again as a kid for whatever reason i had no uh, discerning taste in film uh, at the time you know so uh, you know i why this wasn't one of those movies that i just rewatched, i i couldn't tell you but it, you know i didn't have I had more attachment to movies like um, Stand by Me and E. T. for whatever reason. I guess uh, movies that were uh, maybe a little more sad. I guess I mean, if you think about it, um, if, uh, yeah. This is this is kind of a, a joyful movie, even though they're they're kids who are supposedly um, you know they're trying to save the family farm, so to speak. You know they're they're trying to keep their parents uh, from having to move by going on this adventure and finding treasure and whatever. Uh, you know, it's not really that melancholy of a movie. You know, it's 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 kind of a swashbuckling adventure with a lot of sarcasm, and and uh, you're supposed to think these kids aren't that cool. But you know, in my opinion, they actually kind of, you know, from my perspective, these kids were the cool kids. So right, it just yeah. shows you how cool I, I thought thought of myself, how cool I felt that I was at that age, at least. Um, no, I think I, yeah, they call themselves outcasts, but I think the movie is showing you that they're pretty awesome. And yeah, I mean, if, yeah, you, if, yeah. if you if you if they're all that you know, outcasts are the ones who like have one friend, and you know, like the out, outcasts are the ones in the Napoleon Dynamite. I don't, I don't really love that movie either, but you know, um, I don't really consider the Goonies outcasts. When you have seven or eight friends, you're you know, you're kind of you know, you're doing okay. You know, you have some social skills, <laughs> and um, you know, the Goonies. Uh, you know, I think Cindy Lauper probably summed up my feelings about this film. The Goonies are good enough, <laughs> so I think this movie—I think this movie's good enough. I don't think it resonates uh, quite that much, you know, after having seen it. It's—it's it's fun to watch. Uh, I don't, you know, I have no idea if kids today would would like this movie or not. I mean, I—I I, I didn't show it to. It's, it's too scary for uh, someone who's three. It's uh, yeah, I wouldn't show it to your three-year-old. Dave. No, no um, I wouldn't. Yeah. Mike, 
So yep. I want to like okay. So I think um, I, I can't believe it took us fifty-eight episodes to get to the Goonies because one of the inciting reasons for doing this podcast, I feel like, was you telling me about you watching the Goonies for the first time. Mm. Um, so I guess let's let's bring the listeners up to speed about your Goonie feelings. Yeah. So I um, so uh, unlike Dave, I did not see it as a kid, right? So I think you and I, uh, Ivan, are in the same boat. Um, I first saw this movie in college because everyone was like, "Oh my God, the Goonies is great." We gotta watch the Goonies. You're gonna love it. And then I watched it, and I, I did not I did not love the Goonies at all. Um, <laughs> I was like, what, what is this? This is like I don't get it. Um, and again, what it was, it was say, like, what did they say when you asked them? They said, why? You said, why is this movie good? And what did they say? I was like, oh, it's awesome, man. It's a classic movie. You're gonna love it. It's great. It's got all kinds of stuff like pirates, and it's, it's got cool. I don't really think there was necessarily a reason, or if there was, I don't know if I remembered it, but it was just like supposed to be a fun movie, a classic movie that everyone saw, much like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. Like it was in that genre of movies, I think. Um, 80s movies that kids saw. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and adventure movies with kids in it, or whatever. And. Uh, um, yeah, I, I um, and I so okay. I went into this uh, full disclosure. I went into this knowing that I hated it the first time I saw it, but I wanted to be like, no, I, I want to give it a chance. Uh, give it a chance because I've I've often talked to my office mate about it, and he he loves the movie. Who's um, your office? Who, which one? Uh, Matt Higgins. I don't think you know. Let's guy. talk about someone random that no one knows. <laughs> yeah, Come right, on. right, right. Sorry. And talk to talk about him by name. <laughs> Though he could be listening, Matt Higgins. Um, Unlikely, so, but continue. So, <laughs> So I went into it because he's always like, well, if you don't like that movie, you have no joy in your life and you have no joy in your heart. I'm like, all right, well, fair oh enough. God. I think I have a moderate amount of joy in my life. Let me give it another shot. That is hard. I don't know about that. But okay. <laughs> that is harsh, but true. Um, and <laughs> he somehow captured your essence <laughs> yeah, perfectly. Yeah, you know, he's, he's got it. He's got it. Um, so no, but I, and I did watch the movie with like intending to be like, all right, let me see what I can find that I, that I do like about the movie and see if there's stuff that maybe as a college student, I, you know, now that I'm not an immature college student, I'm an immature adult. Maybe I can look at something <laughs> and see, find some value in it. Um, and I definitely think there's some stuff there that's that's really kind of neat. I think the story is is cool. I think the idea of like hunting for a secret underground treasure uh, treasure trove, a pirate ship like underneath where you live and everything, like a normal world that has hidden in it a magical world, I think is really kind of cool. Um, and I think the way they find it with like the doubloon and lining it up with the rocks and looking at a map, like that stuff is really cool and makes for a really good movie. And I would really and I enjoyed that part of it. And I think any kid would too. Where it starts to fall apart for me is really the acting, mostly, and some of the the dialogue and the lines. And I think the kid, the choice of some of the kid actors, I just I wanted to punch some of them in the face. <laughs> like that like kid, the, the smarmy kid that speaks Spanish, like he needed Mouth. to get punched in the face. Corey Feld, Corey Feldman. You mean Corey Feldman? <laughs> I have no. Yeah. Okay. Great. So yeah, I wanted to punch Corey Feldman <laughs> in the face. <laughs> the two, one of the two Corys. Yeah, he's like uh, the seminal '80s uh, kid star, and it's yeah. amazing that he's not dead from a cocaine overdose yet. Right. Like, it's, yeah, it's, I feel like that was the thing to do back in the day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the other Corey died that way, right? Yes. <laughs> so. He wasn't in this movie though. Haim, Corey Haim, right? <laughs> so, like, yeah, him. Um, and of course, we're going to revisit my my favorite actor ever. Um, I, I, what's the kid's name? Sloth. Doctor Jones. Doctor Jones. Oh, short oh. round. Short round. <laughs> short round. Who I didn't like in Indiana Jones. I did like him here. I don't think that's his fault because some of the lines actually are very endearing and I did like. I think they just gave him some real crap to work with. Like some of the lines were terrible. Some of the lines were completely not in his character. Um, Jonathan Kwan, right? Jonathan Key Kwan. Uh, Jonathan yes. Key Kwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just some of the, like just the inventions were stupid. And then of course 
Mirandi's got to say it. Mirandi's <laughs> got to say it. The freaking soundtrack. When every time he deploys one of his inventions, it's a stupid sound like do 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 do. Oh, you mean, you mean like, like the Great Escape kind of thing? Yeah, uh, like this kooky, uh, annoying. Dave, do you want to give us a little bit of uh, I be- uh, I a synth like, beatboxing? No, no, I just I did. I think I did. It was. I don't <laughs> no. even recall. But every time it happened, I was like, oh, it's one of those movies that's like a mixture of of. of Styles like the, you know, it's like if it's if it's a James Bond thing, then they play the James Bond theme. If it's a uh, yeah, you know, yeah. if it's a if it's like an adventure thing, they play something that's like from the Great Escape or you know, World War Two okay, escape hold, movies. Hold but anyway, right. anyway, so yeah. so just rounding rounding the thing out, I I, I, I want to say like I said, the, the idea is good, dialogue is terrible. Some of the plot devices like tying Josh Brolin to a chair with his string his spring arm. Come on, what? Come on. What? This is what we're okay. Um. And, and but but I will say I will say. That I think some of the best uh, actors is the, the you know the, the Fratellis are great. And by the way, do you recognize Joe Joe Pants? Yeah, Joey Joey Pants. Joe, yeah, Joey, Joey Pants. Pants. Joey Pants. Joe Pantoliano, who is fantastic. I think he's great in everything else he's done. I've liked him. In. Um, yeah, he's but, never given a bad performance. That man. But it's just it's like I, there, there's so much, and I think I blame the child actors unfortunately, and, oh, and the script okay. writing, um, because I feel like it, on paper it's, it's a great idea, and I think it should work. It's just that ex- the execution. And we can get into the details. Well, this is going to be a more interesting podcast than I thought. Because, um, okay, I'm going to be the sole defender of the Goonies. The guy who saw this when he was 14, I'm going to be the sole defender of the Goonies. Because, I thought it was okay. Okay. All right. Let me let me, let me me. You think it's better than okay? I think it's pretty good. Oh. Um, I don't think it... <laughs> I don't think it's a great movie. I will concede that. And I think that if you think The Goonies is a fantastic movie, that means you saw it when you were eight years old. Like, I, I don't <laughs> think it. I don't think it is possible to watch The Goonies as a 30-year-old without any, like, experience of what that movie is and come away from being like, wow, what a fantastic film. Whereas a movie like Dave said, E.T., you could potentially get that that feeling from. Right. But here, okay, in right. watching this movie, I think that there has never been a movie that has been more attuned to what an eight-year-old or nine-year-old boy would like. That's what you Jones. said about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And it's, it's ironic. Also true. It's, it's also <laughs> yeah. true. And, yeah. and it is ironic that Short Round is in both of them. But, <laughs> I mean, these, okay, so this movie, it's got, it's got, a, it's got crude like, humor that, uh, that's kind of dumb, but, only, like, but kids would find really funny, like the penis falling off the statue. An eight-year-old would find that hilarious. I, I like, kind of found it hilarious. I mean, yeah. not hilarious, but I was like, yeah, it's amusing. And then when, she, when he says, that's my mom's favorite piece. Exactly. Like, meaning piece of artwork. Yeah. And, and the way that the kids talk, like the amount of S-bombs that are dropped in this movie is great because as an eight-year-old, you love when kids like your age cuss. Like, it's like super cool like <laughs> to see that happen and then but this whole idea of finding a treasure map and going through like hidden tunnels with a freaking there's a freaking water slide underneath right, like right. like there is nothing that is more um it's like the disneyland thing right yeah. like it's like seeing um pirates of the caribbean in disneyland it captures that imagination for a swashbuckling adventure that every kid wishes they could go on and have but never is able to. And the reason the Goonies is especially unique in this regard is they're not Indiana Jones. They're, these aren't 30-year-old men that you have to pretend to be. If you're pretending to be the Goonies, they're your, your surrogate, right? Like, they're your age. 
they you don't have to you're not watching adults do cool things you're watching kids do cool things which is something that i think has been ripped off a lot since the passage of the goonies like i don't think spy kids exists without the goonies movie i don't think home alone exists without goonies I, all these movies that feature you know you know kids getting in adventuresome situations harry potter maybe even, well i mean harry potter i think is is <laughs> is tough to say because of it's it's so literary in mm. its roots but it, cinematic stuff um god when did um Shoot, uh, uh, when did Escape from Witch Mountain come out? Was that before or after? I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh, whatever. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But it, I think it kind of captures that imagination. And I honestly believe, and I, I think that, you know, we talk about whether movies hold up visually, special effects and all, all that jazz. If you showed a nine-year-old kid The Goonies today, I think it would totally work for them. Like, I don't think any, I think that aspect of it totally holds up uh, perfectly. They would be like, why don't they just call their parents with a cell phone? <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I don't think I was ever taken out of the moment. Like, I never felt like, oh, this is so quintessentially 80s to me. It felt like just a, an adventure story out of time. Like, uh, I can imagine kids wanting to have a group of friends like this. Like, I I was such a loser. All I wanted was group, a group of friends like this when I was like 10 years old, you know? So I think that this is, um, I think it really does capture that mindset. And to go to your point, Mike, I don't think the kid actors are that bad. I think they're pretty good, actually. Oh, really? Come on, I'll, man. I'll, I'll agree with Ivan on this one. I think they're oh, good. Yeah. I, I think, um, and here's what I like about all these these uh, these characters, is they're kind of all stereotypes, but at the same time, they're not. They're, 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 they're going against convention. And the reason I say that is in a lesser movie, Bran, his brother, the jock brother, would have, been total, it would have been a jerk, a total yeah. douche, and he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the only, the major stereotypical character in this movie is the throwaway um guy who's driving the convertible yeah he's one of the sons of one of the uh, developers that's right of, cor- right of course oh, yeah is. of course yeah, yeah, yeah of course guys exactly. son over to but yeah. the the letterman's jacket wearing dude like he's yeah. but of the goonies they all fit roles but they're not stereotypes and an example i give you is the feldman's character uh, Corey feldman uh, mouth is like he's the wise cracking you know fast talking guy but he also some has somewhat of an emotional depth he even has a romantic arc in the movie so i mean <laughs> I feel like the, the each of the characters... They keep that pretty platonic, though. They do. They do. It, 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 which it, it, they have to. I think if they had not, no, I would have been like, it, oh, come it's on. It's probably only like two or three years okay. in age difference, I would No, no, guess. no. But no, Dave, what? Is, no, is at they, the very uh, end of that movie... Probably, yeah. How much should... Like, they should have... Like, that is a moment written in the script for them to kiss, yeah. and they don't. And it's so weird that they hug instead, like... Yeah, she's it's, probably 16, not and he's weird. probably like 12 or 13. It's not... If it was that's, weird... That's what I would guess. The, if they had kissed, that would be weird because she is oh, in no, clearly in high ma- school and he's like in third grade. He's, what? He's not third he's grade. Like, he's not third grade. Wait, 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 wait. We got to go back. Like, how old do you think? No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm speaking in hyperbole. It's obviously not third grade, but no, come on. That's like super weird. They I think kiss. he's like in seventh grade and she's like in, she's like 14. So he, it's like 12 and 14. I, that's what, that's what I, it's no like way. It's different. much bigger of a gap than that. 16. I'll okay. say 16. Yeah, well, I would they, say 16 and 12. Well, I mean, yeah, esta- maybe something like that is probably closer. I would but guess. they established that Bran doesn't drive, and he, I mean, Josh Brolin looks like he's 30 years old, but he's supposed to be playing like a 15 year old. <laughs> he does not. You only say that because we know Josh Brolin now. Um, it is true. And it is, I mean, this seems like such a cliche thing to talk about watching an older movie again, but Josh Brolin looks so damn young. And it's yeah. so fun to like, when well, I am not fun, it's just so interesting to think about like the burly man's man he's grown, you know, he's grown to become and, and the, and the renowned dramatic and theatrical actor that he's become. Like, this mm-hmm. is a guy that is still doing amazing work. He's probably doing the best work of his career right now. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's very, very interesting. But 
Yeah, I don't think the kid actors are bad. I think Sean Astin's fine. I, I think, think Sean that, Astin's okay, and I think Josh Brolin was okay. Um, uh, this think, was kind of a star-making role for Sean Astin, right? I mean, he was he was kind of a son. He was the son of uh, two television stars, and so it wasn't like he had a you know really hard time fight, fighting. Fight, out he didn't there, have a hard right. time fighting his way into the industry. I'm guessing, um, but yeah, know, I, and I was, like Sean Astin as an actor. I think he. And I, yeah. I don't. I don't fault him in this movie. I think some of the lines they gave him, I'm like, well, I don't know how really you're supposed to deliver that one. But a little overly earnest, a lot of inspirational yeah, speeches. Yeah. But I mean, his scene with with one eye, Willie, I thought guys, was very it's touching. It's our time. What's that? It's our time, guys. Yeah, no, right. A oh, lot, that, of, a lot oh, of speeches. Yeah. It's our time. In like here, that. in this cave, we're stuck. He's like, <laughs> he's like the coach Taylor of the Goonies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a page yeah. out of Rudy, I think. So, I mean, I guess going on what Dave said is I thought that I was going to hate the movie and I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Like the opening sequence, I think, is delightful. Like I think that the escape from the the jail Mm -hmm. and I think that whole sequence. That's pretty good, yeah. They introduce all the Goonies as like being a part of the event but not really knowing they're a part of the event. Well, that actor, how many 80s movies open with escapes like this? I'm thinking Beverly Hills Cop and now this. It's two movies that open in a very similar way with like a chase over the credits. So that's two. Yeah, Uh, that's two. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I... um. I know I was really into this movie and I was into this movie pretty hardcore for the first hour or so. I started to lose my attention when they start getting further and further into the cave. Essentially, it becomes like a video game. It just is like it's like them beating the next level of the challenge. So it like I I feel like the movie lulls in its its second to third act. Uh, I think the first act is pretty strong, though. Um, And I almost kind of wish and I know this is a different kind of movie. I wish. as they're traveling through these caves, I wish the set pieces felt more different. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but I wish it felt like they were going darker like, and dirty. Yeah, yeah, right. Like once it's, they get it's dirtier into the cave, and it's, more mossy. Yeah. So almost like um, um, oh, uh, the journey to the center of the earth. Like hmm. you know, the sooner the further you get in, like all of a sudden, like there's dinosaurs and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. I almost wish that the movie went to that level of I see. like actually had some fantasy in it as opposed to just. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it is know. a fantasy, but you know. I, I think I wish it almost went a little bit further. It, it, never almost, go, it never goes into any kind of magical, you know, it never kind of crosses kind that of. line. I mean, the uh, the ship sailing at the end is a magical moment, no, right? Who, not who's really. sailing that ship? I, I think it just, it, it, some, there was like a booby trap. This movie's full of booby traps. This booby traps, you mean? Yes. Booty traps? Booby traps. That's what he said, <laughs> booty traps. <laughs> or Thank booby. you, Mike. Thank you. Booty, whatever. Booby traps. It's like everything in this movie is like a Rube Goldberg machine to open. It is. It, you know, they, to, to, they and kids love Rube Goldberg. You know, machines. the uh, the overweight kid Chunk has to wants to get in the house, and and uh, the way they open the door is Travel by like shuffle. No, yeah, well, he does that, but then they, they can't just like walk down and open. The, like, why does he just like reach never... over and open the fence? That doesn't make any sense. Like, they have to like roll a bowling ball down to this thing that it, it like scares a chicken and, and it like makes a noise and a you know. I it's all ridiculous wait, wait, wait. Is, stuff. Is his to parents open going through that thing every time they go into the house, or are they just opening the gate and walking yeah, through it? And the to be honest, n- if I never see the truffle shuffle again for the rest of my life, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Jeez, the anger coming from Mike. Okay, let me. I think the Rube Goldberg thing is again. It's a very childlike I thing. That, yeah. Because let me let me give you a little example. Um, That's how the pirate ship got pushed away, though. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like I, we have a we had a bouncy ball with my son Max, and I um. Not to digress too much into fatherhood here, but if like we did this thing where I was dropping the ball through like a tube and he loved watching it come out the other end, like 
kids love this idea of something like a cause and effect reaction. Like the mechanics of it all is mm -hmm. like fast. The, the tangible mechanics of Rube Goldberg machines, I think, is like per perfectly captures the wonder and imagination of being like nine years old. And mm -hmm. then that's what this whole movie is like. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's very uh, endemic of what they were trying to make. Well, it, but my point is that there's no actual magic happening at the end. I mean, there's the magic of childhood, I guess, if you want to go there. It's but, a magical one from, from a story it, perspective. Like the thing that they, that they that they thought they abandoned under the water where all the treasure on it is like, oh my God, it's out there. It made it away. And now we can get all of our riches and murder each other for all the, the gold and stuff on board. Yeah. But, it, <laughs> well, this went dark. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, this movie probably could have gone a lot darker, right? I mean, at, it, the, at the at the end, what, what, you know, for some they, reason, they I get thought the, Sloth died. And I, I was like waiting for him to die in this movie. I'm like, oh, I guess I guess he doesn't really die. Yeah, okay. I guess, yeah. So Sloth is the um, the mutant child of the Fratelli no, mother. No, not mutant. I think just dropped on his head twice. I think she th says, yes. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he was been dropped on more than just his head. I mean, well, maybe, well, we don't know what he was dropped into. Maybe he was dropped on his head into a vat of toxic. <laughs> like he looks a little toxic Avengery, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we haven't talked much about the actual. I mean, we talked. I guess we did sum up the story, right? It's well, it, how it, complex it, is this? I mean, it, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, sloth. It's, it's if you just spurt, if you just blurt out like sloth, like and someone hasn't seen this movie. Well, know, that's on like, them. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, what sloth? What are you talking about? Yeah, uh, sloth is probably is is meant to be the um, uh, kind of the I don't, I don't know who you would compare. He's the this. of mice and men. He's the Lenny yeah. of, from uh, of mice and men, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's the the big, strong, not smart brute character that you know you think is evil uh, is a villain, but is, ends up befriending the boys and helping them out towards the end. Right. Um, he's like he's the uh, he's like meant to be scary. Uh, at first view, but you end up kind of falling in love with him a little bit, right? No, yeah, we yeah. hear many. Oh, no, you're, I, yeah, you're supposed so. to, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I remember my, my memory of this movie is that there's a lot more that happens with Sloth, but but it's like he they're in the basement, and then he's you know I feel like they just jumped you know you don't see him for the rest of the movie, and then all of a sudden he's like flying down the sail with a knife at like Errol Flynn and and uh, with Chunk. And uh, you're supposed you were supposed to uh, like really have formed this attachment to Sloth and Chunk as this couple, but you know I, I guess as a kid it worked for me, but you know as an as an adult you know a lot of this stuff I feel like um, a, a lot of the uh, the ending isn't quite as earned as uh, I think it wants to be. Maybe maybe that maybe that's what didn't hold up for me is that you know while I appreciated a lot of the stuff building up to this uh, this conclusion, I didn't feel like. Um, you know, I felt like the uh, the ending confrontation on the ship was was fairly lacking. Like there wasn't really a sense of danger or stakes or anything. I agree with, with that the entirely. kids with the kids yeah. and the Fratellis mm -hmm. on the ship, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I, you know, so it, it didn't. I didn't really get in, too invested in the emotions of the actual story because, you know, it, it, it didn't seem like they. It didn't seem like things weren't going to be happy. You know, no. Well, I mean, at that ending, like, didn't you want it to be more? Didn't you want more swashbuckle? Like, didn't you want more of like an actual action sequence that felt like someone was in peril? Because right, like, exactly. it kind of just feels like a Three Stooges bit in a lot of ways, where people kind of run around hitting into things and they're kind of falling into water, but it's right. water, so where's the peril yeah, and falling yeah, into Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. That was the issue I had. It's, it's not, it's not even water. that deep. It's, like, okay, it's beautiful. Just, like, it's like, it's like Caribbean-style water, like water you'd want to jump into. They so, fall like, into the water, they make out. Oh, my God, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You know, it's funny. I was reading yeah, I was reading uh, the Mental Floss trivia on this movie, and at the end, when the, the, the reporter's interviewing all of them, he asked Data, and the da Data goes, the octopus was very scary. Yes, yeah. And apparently yes, there was a 
deleted sequence where there was an octopus in that water that ends up like grabbing some of them and it ended up getting cut mm-hmm. uh, for whatever there was reason. Probably because it didn't look very good. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I, I think that, that that entire the entire third act is lacking tension. And, and it, I think a kid's movie can have stakes and tension. And this is going to sound like a really weird comparison point, but I'm going back to um, Home Alone. Uh, I think there's <laughs> genuine there's a genuine moment of terror when the 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 the, the burglars actually cap capture Macaulay Culkin at the end. Like there right, is actually, yeah. uh, I mean that movie that movie's never worked for me. Honestly, Home Alone. Oh, you're, you're what are you doing? <laughs> Something <laughs> wrong with you? Did. Something wrong with you? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with me. We need to rewatch Home <laughs> that, Alone. Home Alone is not that good. Home Alone's a pretty good movie. No, I, I I'm, I'm no. with Dave on this one. I'm probably I enjoy no. that movie, but I probably because again I was a kid when I saw it, and I, I like all of the again Rube Goldberg machines and traps and booby traps. Like yeah, I'm telling you, that's like, why I like the movie. I, I suppose like it's, it's a little bit of a toss up between Goonies and Home Alone for me, but I, I think I would pick. Goonies. Is it a coincidence? that Chris Columbus is behind both of them. The man no, loves just, making movies for mm, nine-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, he's no to investigate that guy. That's, that's not right. There's something wrong there. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess we're really supposed to... Um, I guess the sympathy is supposed to, to come from the fact that these kids are going to have to move, right? I mean, so that's like the worst-case scenario. That's right. They're going to have to yeah, move. the stakes, yep. And, you know, that doesn't seem so bad, honestly. Like, I mean, it's not up. like... You know it's what? not like... You know, like compared to a movie like E.T. where the kid is de- dealing with uh, divorce... Uh, the break breakdown of his family, uh, you know, he gains a best friend. His best friend is, you know, turns the alien is a, his best friend. His best friend ends up dying close, you know, like, you know, or almost dying at the end of the movie. They're being chased after men with guns, like actual guns. And, uh, you know, it, there's some like real the actual guns in this movie, Dave. Yeah, I guess they're nailed. Right. It. Movie, but they ne- nailed but it never, it. But it never see it never feels threatening. I mean. They're slipping on logs and falling on their balls. And, I, you know? Yeah, when you get hit in the crotch on a, on a, on a, from, from some slick shoes, you kind of lose any you, sense you, of threatening. You, like, like I, I'm not afraid of them anymore. You know, they fall off the old slick shoes trap. No, I, I, I mean, I'm giving you a hard time, and I totally agree <laughs> with you. And I think you've identified the major problem with Goonies is that it lacks a sense of stakes uh, to actually make anything kind of hold ground or weight and and in parts where it could it probably veers towards too slapsticky and this is a very tough tonal balance to ride for a movie like this because it is intended for a kid's audience and you can't make it too scary and you can't you know go too dark with it but there is probably a way to actually provide but i mean when you think about it it is pretty dark in spots i mean Chunk is hanging out with a corpse in a freezer. Like that's (laughs) that would have scared the crap out of me as a kid like they go they go there when they have to and this is why the 80s was so weird. Again, I think it, I blame it on cocaine. But the 80s <laughs> was like, like we, we got these really dark, oddly dark moments in movies meant for kids. Like this is the Willy Wonka um, tunnel sequence. This is the, uh, um, uh, shoot, um, I'm trying to think. I'm blanking on the other thing. You know what I'm talking about in Willy Wonka when they're on the yeah, boat? And thanks. it's like the most terrifying thing ever. And and he's like singing the song backwards and all these terrifying images. Well, there's also like, the scene where the kid gets sucked up in the, the plastic pipe, and that scared the hell out of me as a kid. Like, yeah. yeah. Or the Wizard of Oz and the Wicked Witch and the Monkeys. You don't have to try very hard to scare a kid. Like, I can speak from experience. <laughs> Roger Rabbit scared me. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, the the the, the Count Doom thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about that on the show, but yeah. um, 
yeah, it is an odd tonal balance the movie's trying to strive where you literally have a slapstick moment where a man is like squashing his balls on a log. But the moment before that, <laughs> right. like there was a dead man with a bullet hole in his forehead yeah. like who falls on a guy in, in a freezer or even the opening shot of this movie is a man pretending to be hanging like dead. Like yeah. that, that's, yeah, a, that's right. a terrifying image. Like, yeah. so, um, well, it, I'm sure I had no idea what the heck that was supposed to be when I was a kid, when I was nine years old. Really? Like, no, I didn't know what uh, that's possible. Suicide, suicide yeah, because was especially you don't see nine what, years old. Yeah, you don't see I what don't that's think. supposed to be. Like he's not actually dead. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I could see why you wouldn't. Like he's pretending to sleep, standing up. Why? <laughs> he's floating. Wow, he's like magic. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Um, yeah. So the movie um, kind and of dark is okay. I think dark is is good for child for children for most. Yeah, children for scarring children, it's excellent. Okay. You can't get so, much better than that. Um, I have two things I wanted to bring up, and I'm scars make you stronger, Mike. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm not saying they don't. I'm I'm agreeing with you, Dave. <laughs> so um, two things I wanted to bring up, and one one is, I feel like we're in this weird place now with movies where um, we're talking about modern day movies, movies that are supposedly meant for childhood audiences, but they're trying to capture this four quadrant audience, so they make things kind of weird and dark and gritty. And I haven't seen the new Batman versus Superman movie, but the fact that a Superman movie almost got an R rating to me is like mind boggling. Like, uh, and because, you know, Superman is the, is the kid superhero. He's the truth, justice in the American way. He wears red underpants. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like that's, a, you know, the fact that I would have questions to, you know, I would question whether or not I could take my child to a Superman movie is mind boggling. And then uh, we have this new jungle book movie coming out this coming week. Um, which I've started reading reviews for, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's really like dark, like the dark, and you have to want, and uh, your you know average nine year old is gonna be terrified by this." Oh, so uh, no taking Julia. Oh well. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe I don't know how much you want to scar your kid, but no. hey, um, Dave, scars make you stronger. No, no, no. Come on, hey, well. So I feel like um, I'm just trying. To, uh, hey, I don't know about you. I'm just trying to make my kids weaker. Well, I feel like <laughs> I'm trying to give them emotional scars at an early age. Um, I feel like in the '80s we had these movies that had a sense of whimsy that had underlying dark moments, and now we're just making freaking movies that are meant for an adult audience that we're trying to simultaneously hope that kids can go to too. So it's like, really it's weird to me. I don't understand it. And you know my but, stance on movies and morals and all that crap, so I won't go into it again. But it's yeah, it's a little disturbing to me. But I guess my question for you guys is. Is there anything like The Goonies that exists now? And I can only think of one movie that came out in the last 10 years that really kind of strikes this balance. And I've mentioned this movie a lot in this podcast. Because I'm mud, perhaps. Oh, that movie's not for, Yeah, that's an adult movie, man. Yeah, you, it's dark, but it's not... Uh, <laughs> Wait, Mud with, with Matthew McConaughey? With Matthew McConaughey. Not uh, at all. Not in the same... Because that movie's... I, I mean... Is the yes, movie about like a rapist or a murderer or something? There's a movie called Cop Car. I mean, I mean these, these, these are as no. close as I can think of. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Dave, both what about movie, Hostel? No, just kidding. Both <laughs> movies, both oh, movies, well done, sir. <laughs> both the movies you've mentioned are R-rated movies. Uh, uh, really? Yes. Even Mud is I'm R-rated? pretty sure. Oh, okay. Um, I think that... I th- I'm pretty sure that uh, movies are rated if they just say the word fuck. I'm pretty sure a character gets uh, raped in mud. So um, that's, what, yeah, that's what I thought. No, I, thought it's re- yeah. I thought it was just a reference. Oh, okay, that's Sorry. good. <laughs> it's fine, Ivan. Hey, there's it's like, fine. There's, there's like sex dungeon references in uh, the Goonies. That's you know at least there's a casual throwaway joke about that. There is yeah, so. uh, mouth. And these, this is the kind of where the movie has more adult tint, you know, tints uh, with some of Mouse commentary and, and so forth. Sure. No, the only movie I could think of uh, was the movie Holes that came out in like 2003. Ooh, yeah, yeah, um, I've seen that. Because that has a that has a similar adventure feel. Um, with Mr. Labeef. With uh, Shia Lebois. Mm-hmm. Um, Lebeef. Lebeef. <laughs> um, and I think that that movie 
kind of captures that same kind of essence. And we should re- rewatch that for the show because I think it's a damn good movie. I think it would hold up for mm-hmm. a non-kids audience. But What year was um, it? 2003. Mm. Hmm. It's, uh, uh, it's getting a little modern. I don't know. I know. It's it's probably it's too new. I agree. It's too new for this show. But, I've actually never uh, seen it, so I'd be interested in it. I've heard new. about it. But uh, the other thing I want to talk about, and this is a different direction, and I think one of the major flaws of Goonies, and Mike touched upon this earlier about the fact, um, uh, you know, talking about these characters and, uh, you know, bad dialogue and, you know, not quite matching up as roles. The problem is there's too many Goonies. There's too many damn Goonies, right? (laughs) There's There's a lot of yelling over each other, kind of like us. No, I mean, okay, so... You can't have you can't develop a backstory and emotional stakes for seven characters, like that. That's so many. Or like, it's difficult to. It's really difficult to, and you know you're lucky if you can do that for two or three in a movie. So it's really surprising to me that this movie did, well, didn't feature like four kids and they called themselves the Goonies, oh. right? Uh, the fact that like I, I'm just surprised. Him. Okay, so um, Mike, mm. um, I know you don't love Goonies. I guess my my. My devil's advocate argument for you is: What's the difference between Goonies and Honey? I shrunk the uh, Honey. I shrunk the kids. <laughs> huh. I, I honestly, I think. Huh. I don't know. I got him. I got him, guys. <laughs> got, he, I, there's no Rick Moranis in the Goonies. There's no Rick. Yeah, there you go. There's no no Rick Moranis. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's just better performances across the board. I think the writing is a, it's cleaner oh, because it's well, simple. Mike, it's not as we can't, convoluted. Uh, you have less no, characters to worry no, about. Mike, no, um, no. But the four kids, I feel like, are all really good. Like, if you go back and look at those performances, I, as far as I'm concerned, I think they're all solid. There's, there's scenes where they have to be sad. They appear sad. There's no clunky lines <laughs> where I'm like, oh. That, like that, it, that goes on the box. Yeah. <laughs> the kids. I just scenes wanna... where their kids are supposed to be sad, they appear sad. Mike Moran. I want to see. I want to see an acting like school where it's like when you're supposed to be sad, you appear sad. Dude, like you those... No, yes. The, go check out. There's a, a, a scene from Extras where Ian McKellen is teaching acting, and he's like, "Now, when I am pretending to be a wizard, I'm not." actually a wizard i'm just <laughs> pretending to be one and he goes on to this whole like about he acting is just pretending it's really good yeah um so i think that basically the whole i've cornered you in here is that if rick moranis plays a <laughs> kooky scientist that invents rube goldberg machines in the goonies the goonies is your favorite movie of all time huh. no well i i would say overall i feel like it is Sold. a little bit more there's kookiness to it but there's when they're like tiny and they're running around but like there's a, a element of real seriousness and gravity to that situation i think here it's just very goofy all the way through i'll like, agree with you there mike yeah there there is the stakes are a little higher in honey i shrunk the kids i would say like it, that is life and death yeah and but i, and I, but don't I, I wouldn't the say the acting is better something like <laughs> i i think it's just something about it i was disengaged like ah whatever these kids are gonna be fine like whatever um and but there are certain things like i do like like i think what's it with the guy who plays ah uh, the, the brother that gets busted out of jail, uh, he's in Die Hard. Rob, Robert, Robert Dobby oh, or Davy. Oh, shoot, he is in Die Hard. Yeah, you're right. He's Big, one of the Johnson. Yeah, brothers, he's Rob Big Johnson, Dobby. yeah. He's <laughs> Big Johnson. I think he has Big the Johnson. best line in the movie. Is he the guy who says, like, it's just like Nam? And the guy's like, I was in high school, asshole. Yeah, pretty close enough. <laughs> what, what, what is the actual line? Uh, I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it was. <laughs> I love that line. It's great. Um, just like numb, <laughs> um, and it's the other guy who says it. And unfortunately, he just sets him up for that line. But yeah, and Anne Ramsey, who plays the uh, the mother, he, uh, she was good too. <laughs> yeah, I think she's great, right? I think yeah, yeah. Joe jo Pants is great. 
Um, Joey Pants. <laughs> Joey Pants, fantastic. But I think yeah, that, that guy, um, I, I think my favorite scene is when they're getting Chunk to confess to everything and Chunk is going through. And like you watch his face and the whole time he's getting this slow admiration for this kid. Like, yo, this kid's pretty awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. you puked on people, made him puke. That's great. Like, yeah. I remember that movie. I remember that getting some of the biggest laughs when I saw that as a kid. That was a that's that's still a pretty good scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I'll... thought that they were going to do something with this character where almost he was going to turn on the other two and maybe try to save the kids, and you'd have like the cool moment of like, oh, the bad guy's a good guy, but I'm like, it never really happens, and they don't really do much with it. And you're like, no, yeah. I agree, and I, I actually, uh, you would, from a writer's perspective, that should have happened because like, they they set it up. They set up the fact that him and him and uh, Sloth are just constantly abused by mom and her favorite son. Like, yeah. I think that would have been interesting. Um, I do want to talk about Chunk a little bit because, um, you know, you're talking about, again, I don't think the kids are bad actors. I actually think he's pretty good. He's actually pretty. I, I liked him. I thought he was good. And, yeah. you know, it's funny. Yeah, I think this he's is the, a lawyer now. This is the only movie he's ever done, yeah. which I think is real funny. No, no, no. He's been in other movies. No, I guarantee. I think it's his I'm only looking at Wikipedia right now. He's oh. been in, uh, let's see, at least four At least four movies. Oh. Uh, I thought he if was. If not more. Well, he didn't. In some TV shows. He basically went on to continue working in the industry, but not in an actor's capacity. And now he's a lawyer. And now he's a loyal lawyer. Um, but I think a lot of the jokes with him actually work. Like, and little throwaway moments, I think, are genuinely funny. Like when they're walking into the uh, the abandoned restaurant, he sees a cooler. He's like, "Oh, look, Coca Cola." He actually goes to look for the the uh, a soft drink inside the cooler outside. It's like a little right. throwaway moment that's funny. Uh, the you know when he sees the he still wants to try the ice cream with her. How come Sean Astin gets to be the one without uh, a nickname? I mean, Mikey, I guess, is a nickname technically, but everyone else is like Mouth and Data and Chunk and, you know. Yeah, they all, well, I mean, they <laughs> well, all have nicknames, yeah, but not him. So, he's a leader, um, that's why. I would call him Denim Tuxedo, I guess. Denim Tuxedo? <laughs> denim Tuxedo. Oh, because he does have a full <laughs> denim suit on. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> hey, Denim maybe Tuxedo, just, come maybe in just here. Denim. <laughs> Tuxedo's a pretty good nickname for someone. I just, Dave, you should have been in the writing room in this movie. Why don't we call him Denim Tuxedo? It's fine. Well, they, <laughs> His name's Denim Tuxedo. I don't see the problem. It's, it's well, a little know, long. You never learned Data's real name or Mal's real name. You learned Mal's real name? No, Lawrence. It's like a Lawrence. Yeah, it's Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it, a, is it offensive that the smart, um, like, tinkerer is the Asian kid? Is that offensive at Horribly all? Horribly offensive, it, yes. Yeah, it's, Yeah. And then his dad called him an invention. Yes. You're my greatest invention. <laughs> but okay, that's a gr- okay, that's a perfect example why Goonies is not a great movie. That moment is supposed to be touching, but right. you don't know who it's, this it's character is. It's, yeah. You don't know who this character is or mm-hmm. like it, it, so if you establish that his parents for some reason like never admit their affection for him and at the end they finally do, that's rewarding. But the movie doesn't do that. It's very odd. Like so and again, hey, can we talk about that scene by the way? I was like pissed off that okay, yeah. You're going to tell me that while these kids are being rescued and a huge treasure has been found, that the person in charge of the country club is going to try to force somebody to sign a, a foreclosure form, like right oh, there that's in the a middle. Movie convention. Like, yeah, I, I, come on, it I'll, was stupid. I, I'll, I'll give it that one, but uh, because you don't need, yeah, it. it's I, false I can't trauma. get by with the sentimental parent reunion stuff. Because you don't know who the, the parents are, yeah. and, that, and, and yeah. the other issue is, you know, early in the movie, they kind of established that Mikey's father well they do is a proprietor of a museum i guess which is why he has all this weird stuff in the attic but you're telling me that they don't find like i don't know just the finding the treasure map doesn't feel organic to the plot it, it feels um i wish the treasure they, they found the treasure map in a more interesting way like i almost wish they broke into like they broke into the museum it was to in look the attic for, i forgot that it was in the attic yeah no it just idea. feels so it feels so ham-fisted to the the course of events it's just like 
I don't know. So, so um, I, I didn't have a problem with that necessarily. You didn't have a problem with that? Not really. I you mean, had a they're... problem with them tying up Josh Brolin with his exercise equipment, <laughs> but you didn't have a problem they found an ancient treasure map from like the 1500s in their attic? Like, come on. Well, it was right. It was behind another picture. They didn't know. Like, I could very easily see that being the case because it's not right. Wasn't it behind something? Oh, no. Was it, it was like straight up behind the glass. Um, no, I, I think he had to break something. It was yeah. in a frame. It was in a glass frame. But I think but it I was... Mean, oh, crap. It just, for whatever reason, Sean Aston decided he didn't want to be the one to drop it, so he like had... had uh, Chunk come over and hold it, and he just like kind of silently. He started silently counting three, two, one. But uh, you know, like what? I don't understand what that was about. <laughs> because Chunk's the clumsy one. That's yeah, the well, point. of course, yeah. But like, why? Why does who? Who cares who drops the friggin' frame? Well, it's for the technicality. Like, well, I didn't break it. Chunk broke it. Like yeah, the, the person on. who you, lies you but doesn't actually lie because yeah, he but, never. But yeah. no parent is actually there to see it. So what's the difference whether he breaks it anyway? Stupid. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you I, summed up, uh, Dave. I think you summed up my, my <laughs> issue with the movie. Stuff like that, where I'm just like, whatever. It's not like, but a kid would be like, oh, that's so clever. He knew he was going to drop it, so he gave it to him. To bur-. Like, uh, you know, saying that, I want to segue into things that I think actually do that I like about this movie. I mean, you you said a few things, you know, in general, kind of a, give us some broad strokes about things that work about the movie. I like the sense of place this movie has. I, you know, I like. I agree. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I like the I like the opening when you get these like nice wide shots of like Portland. Of, I think it's a, or Oregon. It's like an or, uh, Astoria, Oregon. Astoria, right? yeah. Um, you know, just the uh, the the shots of the kids riding bikes and the the trees and the and the landscape and all that stuff. I mean, all that stuff I think looks really great. You really get a sense of. Uh, I guess they're trying to establish why these kids are going to be upset about having to move. You know, because they they kind of they kind of. Um, you know, this is your this is their childhood home. This is where they grow up. This is everything you know, and uh, they, they make it seem like an appeal, even though it's kind of a gloomy place. You know, they they still somehow make it feel kind of homey and appealing. You know, and it, I mean, and it has a, it has a, a sense of personality. Like mm-hmm. it's not like a generic subdivision that they live in. Like it right. has a very keen um, like a, it seems like a place that you would want to grow up as a kid. Like yeah. um, which I think is great. Yeah, agreed. At and, first, uh, it wasn't entirely clear to me, like, what this, what was the situation? Like, why are all these kids in the same house? They live together? Like, what's going on? They, they took live me, in the same house. They live next to each right, other. Right. I, I got like that eventually. But it just seems like at first, I'm like, what, what's the, is it, are they running, like, some kind of, like, an orphanage here? Is it, like, wait, what's, where are these parents? <laughs> like, what's going on? Didn't you have friends that just came over? I had no friends. I <laughs> never had any I. friends it's growing very... up. I had some friends. <laughs> I, well, I lived next door to someone who was my age, almost exactly, a couple months younger, and so I lived in a duplex, and so I was we were at each other's houses all the time. So I guess it seemed pretty natural to me to just kind of have friends kind of just pop over at any point. Well, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, so like I, I, I mean, oh. I didn't have a neighbor you could walk to. So like this, Whoa, this wow. idea that okay. someone you know could just stroll on over to your house next door is like really foreign to oh, me. Okay. And something I've always longed, and I'd watch movies and be like, I wish I could do that with people, but no, I, I never really could do that. Oh yeah. No. So yeah. sense of place is good. Yeah, and, and you know, we can talk about Sean Astin a little bit. I mean, he was, um, I don't know if he was the most, I don't know who was supposed to be the most, at this point, the most popular of the kid actors, you know, the most well-known. I mean, I, I don't think uh, Corey Feldman, Feldman right? I well, I don't know, because he had, this was before Lost Boys. This was before, um, uh, what was the other, uh, Stand By Me, uh, before License to Drive. I'm thinking, I'm just like thinking randomly of 80s movies. This, you know, they all came out sometime between 1984 and 1990, I think. And uh, I think Sean Astin was, you know, he's the one who, uh, you know, outside of Josh Brolin, he's the one that kind of went on to have like a, you know, a semi-medieval Stable career. career right? Yeah. right. I mean, he was, 
you know, he kind of, at least he got lucky, right? I mean, he, he got uh, Rudy, which was, you know, not a huge hit when it came out, but it kind of had, uh, became popular on video. And uh, and then, of course, Lord of the Rings. I mean, mm. you know, if nothing else, he's going to be remembered for uh, playing Samwise uh, Gamgee. <laughs> yeah, he um, was in an episode of 20, a couple episodes, 24, I forget what season, but he was. Right, he oh, God, he has like, he, yeah, he has like the most heartbreaking uh I don't want to say what it is, but he has like one of the most heartbreaking. Oh God! Like, yeah, I that was a can't rough one. You. Yeah, yeah, uh, one of the most heartbreaking scenes in Twenty Four. He's he's part of that, and uh, yeah, he's he's pretty like. There's something about him and the ability. He's he's um, him and crying. It's like you know. I remember Lord of the Rings. Anytime I cried, it was usually watching that movie, and I you know. I'm fessing up here. I, I cried a lot watching. Uh, it's okay, uh, man. Manly trilogy. tears. Manly yeah, tears. Yeah, it was it was manly tears, you know, and it was all uh, Sean Astin's doing, you know. It was like he's uh, he's pretty good at. Crying I don't I don't blame you, Dave. I blame uh, Sean. Crying, don't worry. crying on screen, and uh, you know, and Rudy, he's really good at um, you know making you feel uh, I don't know emotional about them. You know that he's he's really good at being earnest. I guess. Well, yeah, he's, he's got the uh, he's got those puppy fa- eyes. Like he's got this like face. That it's, is- not, it's not just that. It's just he's he's there's, there's some there's something about um, you know I don't I don't think I I wouldn't buy him as anyone else but an earnest you know do gooder, <laughs> and that's what he's supposed to be in the Goonies and Rudy and Lord of the Rings and uh, you know. It's, it's, uh, that's his strength. Type. It is that's his strength. Yeah. So, well, well, final thing we should talk about is Richard Donner directed this movie, right? Yeah. Like, this is the guy um, who Made directed Superman. Lethal Weapon and Superman, and uh, uh, Lethal Weapon was after this one, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a, a dude that has, you know, had a pretty uh, has some big hits. They even have a Superman reference. I mean, uh, Sloth uh, rips off his shirt to reveal a Superman oh, uh, yeah. logo, and they have the Superman theme play behind it. Yeah. Um, I think that he directs this movie. I think the movie visually is pretty solid. And let's talk about a movie that came out in 85. I think some of the set pieces still look really cool. I think that pirate ship at the end visually, I mean, I, I think there yeah. are a lot of issues with that sequence from a stake standpoint. But visually, that pirate ship looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, even and how um, and I think the bone organ, it probably the bone organ is probably the one part where there actually feels like there's some kind of stakes going on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, was it was was it the bone organ scene where Data falls and almost falls on spikes? No, that that's, no that's earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess when you're a kid and you see, so he escapes, so Data is falling and he and he triggers one of his uh, one of the things under his coat and it's like a a toy mouth that grabs onto the <laughs> the roof of the cave or God. something. And that saves him from falling on spikes. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, um, that's the kind of thing that it's it, that goes way too far to cartoon. I, yep. Territory. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I agree on the, with the bone organ. That was, um, you know, I, I could at least feel a little bit of the tension in that scene. A little bit, but then like they're gonna yeah, fall. But otherwise, everyone just kind of like, you know, they kind of like all just scurry to the side. Like later, like all the floor is gone, but people mm-hmm. are able to get past that trap. So. Yeah, the right, poster yeah. makes a promise that it never delivers on, and that's all the kids hanging from a, like a a rope from a rope or a stalag tight or stalagmite or whatever you call it stalactite. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it's like, okay, well, that looks really dangerous. But they never. But they do. never. There's never a scene when they're actually not even one of them is really hanging off the edge of a cliff. So, no, and I think that you know goes into the larger problem of the film is just it's a it's a, an adventure film where the adventure never feels that like okay so I would describe the Goonies as the Hardy Boys like meets Mousetrap like it's like a mm, bunch of like that's pretty good it's like a kind of like a mystery adventure that happens to have all of these kind of random things that happen like Rube Goldberg Goldberg devices 
but I wish that they were more active participants in solving the mystery of One-Eyed Willie's treasure. Like, I wish there was something about being kids that allowed them to find a treasure that uh, the w- that no one else could prior to that. Like, something about their youthful mentality was the key to un- uh, uncovering this treasure. Um, and I, I just feel like the pieces don't come together in a way that makes it all coalesce. And I guess that would be my final take on Goonies. That being said, I didn't, I don't think this is a bad movie, and I don't think we should be. It sounds like we're just shitting on it, but it's not. It, I no, think there's things of, about it that are good, and, and what, I mean, one of the other issues is I feel like it, it's it's a it's a plot divided. There's I don't think we need it for Tellys really, or I, I think because it's there. If they were like rival treasure hunters and they're also looking for it, I think it makes more sense. But I think having them in the story as like oh they're just some crime people who got who happened to own the restaurant on top of where this trap took place, and then it it ends up distracting from them going through the caves as part of this treasure hunt and trying to find the treasure like i think it's much more interesting if you have somebody else who's been looking for it for a while and like like they they run into chester copperpot and maybe he's the the foil to their that's actually um, a really good point mike because by adding the fratellis into this who are criminals that like it's never really established it's just weird to add this whole other criminal aspect to it right like it should be that it should be that they are rival treasure hunters that they're fighting off against or something. It's it's, very it's odd. too random. Like it's just like oh, they're just some some crime. You know, like it's it's weird. Yeah. Because even the burglars in Home Alone are like they're trying to steal from the house, so it makes sense. Yeah, it does. You're right. I mean, it does feel like two two movies kind of slapped together in that sense. Yeah, I didn't even like, notice that. <laughs> I, I couldn't quite figure, put my finger on it. What was bothering me about that? But now that, or maybe like the Fratellis, you know, ju- went into this cave to try to escape and hide and then the boys go down there and find them you know like it doesn't even make sense like why like, the like, Fratellis yeah, have and, access and to a restaurant like it doesn't make any sense them, them breaking <laughs> because they're Italian and all the, <laughs> all yeah. Italians own a restaurant and their hideout isn't very hidden either it's, yeah. Like, yeah. it's an old like restaurant breaking, that everyone knows about yeah, that's they, open in the spring like I don't they know. escape from prison and they're like in this house, like near some near a neighborhood with kids, I mean, it's like, but like even like the whole like, breaking, hideout, him, breaking him out of prison in the beginning has nothing to do with the story. Like it does nothing to to set that up or anything. It sets up a villain that doesn't like that doesn't have anything to do. Why not make it about Copper Pot in the caves and he dies and that's like that's your opening. Something that that is more like oh, or they go down there and they find that he's like gone mad and he's been down there for years. Right, right, and and, and he like can't that. tell you exactly what he found or what. Yeah, right, something like that that's more pertinent to the plot. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, and this is kind of we're I think we're we've spent way more time analyzing the movies than anyone. <laughs> in the know, we I don't think it was meant to be analyzed. I'm, I'm putting on Chris Columbus because I'm I'm on, honestly he he's the guy who whenever I look back at the stuff that he's done, uh, you know. It's not that great. I mean, I don't like. I don't really like. I don't like Home Alone. I don't like a lot, a lot of the screenplays he's written, and uh, he was the one who directed the first two uh, Harry Potter movies. If I'm not, not mistaken, oh, I, I don't like right. any of that. And, and, and I don't like any the, of the Harry and those, and, and those were the ones where, once they got to the third Harry, I mean, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, but I remember once they got to the Alfonso Cuarón directed one, that's where they start to actually feel like yeah. actual solid adventures. So I don't know. I, I've always liked Richard Donner. I like Lethal Weapon. I like the first Superman. Um, and uh, Steven Spielberg. I mean, come on. I mean, he's he's got he has his hits and misses, but he's one of the legendary filmmakers of all time. So, it, which is why I was know. surprised by by this. I thought it would be a little bit. I think, but he he just the story, right? So he came up with the idea and the concept. I guarantee you that there was like 
He was probably just Spielberg like, this was on is the not... shitter somewhere. He's on the shitter, and he's like, what if kids found a treasure map, <laughs> yeah. and there was some hidden gold? And he like said that to Chris Columbus. Is like, like I think that is the amount of story effort that he exactly. had his fingers yeah. in a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the eighties. I think you know, like he cocaine. Was producing ama- yeah, I don't, I don't think so. He was producing uh, amazing stories. He was he was doing you know a movie. It, it, I felt like a, a movie at least every couple years. Um, you know, he like he supposedly co-directed Poltergeist. Um, Wait, so what, he, we, he was directing movies that he was producing. I mean, like, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was actually, you know, co-directing uh, the Goonies. You know, because a lot of it feels like stuff that, you know, it feels like a mixture of Indiana Richard Jones. Donner's, yeah, yeah, Indiana Jones, and you know, some of the slapstick that I that I remember from the '78 uh, Superman movie. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I appreciated that Richard Donner eventually went on to get into more R-rated territory. I mean, I think this is the last. The last time he was doing kind of kids material stuff. I mean, he went out to do Lethal Weapon and like one through four, I think. And I'm not sure what else. Uh, he's actually hasn't done much else other than that. But okay. um, yeah. And Chris Columbus goes on to do, um, I mean, Mike's favorite movie, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, God. And, <laughs> so good. See? So good. Oh, my God. See, that's what I'm talking about. I don't, and, like, I don't uh, like Mrs. Doubtfire either. You don't like Adventures in Babysitting? Nope. You know what? I think Chris Columbus's entire career is dependent on you watching his movies when you're nine years old to like them. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> rough. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, hey, well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, Bicentennial Man. Ooh. What? Who who likes Bicentennial Man? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's exactly his point. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I mean, I know point. I know people that like I know plenty of people like Mrs. Doubtfire and Home Alone. I don't know anyone who likes Bicentennial Man. I think Bicentennial Man was one of the worst reviewed movies. I don't think anyone said that oh, phrase in okay. about twenty years. Bicentennial Man. <laughs> We should watch that movie. <laughs> this is not your previous podcast. The worst, what was it called? The worst movie ever. The worst movie ever. No, this is not that. This is... Uh, uh, anyway, um, so closing out this episode, um, Mike. Yeah. Any final comments that you would like to say about The Goonies? I mean, uh, you've had to watch this twice now. I think yeah. that you're probably never going to watch it again. I'm no, guessing, right? I'm done. That's it. You're done. <laughs> I've given my all. Spent. And I honestly, right. I, I gave it, I, I was going into this saying, like, let me see what I can find that I do like. I bet there's something here that's pretty cool. And there were. There's some things I did enjoy. But there's, I think, much more stuff that I did not enjoy. And unfortunately, that's just, I, it, it just, things like, just little things, even like you mentioned early, earlier at the end when he mentions the octopus, there's no octopus in the movie. Editor, come on, man. Like, did no one catch that when, <laughs> when they watched that? Like, oh, this was the cut. We didn't have the, the octopus. Did they recut this and cut this so many times they lost track? Like, stuff like that. There was a lot of weird shots where, like, I thought the physical acting wasn't there, and it just overall, it just felt a little rough to me. It didn't feel like a clean, polished movie. That 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 you know. And Dave, uh, your final thoughts on the Goonies? Uh, you know, I have one random thought that I that I meant to bring up and I forgot to, and that is that I have this vivid memory uh, that that always comes back to me anytime I anytime I rewatch this, which is not that often. Um, and that is when I, I I went to see this movie with my dad in theaters when I was nine, and I remember whining about whatever what for whatever reason i was whining about um would i had no idea what we were about to see my dad took me out i probably was being obnoxious and he said okay my my mom probably said take dave to a movie and my dad saw this and said okay i'll take dave to see the goonies i had no idea what we were about to see when i found it was the goonies i was so happy so i'm apologizing to my dad 30 (laughs) 31 years later (laughs) via a podcast excellent excellent vehicle to do this i'm apologizing for whining about about whatever it was I was wanting about, and uh, I don't want to have to go. With so oh, I apologize. Hey, real quick, I wanted to check it. Did anyone else catch the shot of uh, Andy's like underwear? 
Yeah, I am. Um, I thought the same thing, Mike, because we're both perverted. Did um, nobody catch that and decide, oh, hey, maybe we cut this just like a second earlier or I use a different it's, shot? Again, again, this movie is perfectly calculated for a nine. Like, there is nothing more meant for a nine-year-old boy than this movie. Mm. Like, it's just like the little tease of a girl's underwear. That's all you want when you're 10 years old. Like, it's like everything for you. <laughs> yeah, you know? but, but so, from like an ethical standpoint, I guess they didn't do that in the 80s. I guess it was a different time. But. It was a cocaine <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's, it's bad to show underpants when you're... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Dave, do you think that that girl was thrilled to find out that her underwear was on, on screen for, like, the rest of the nation to see? It's like... I don't think she cares. I think we're getting into Mormon territory. <laughs> I don't All right, Dave, when your daughter gets to that age and she's... <laughs> we'll have the conversation then. If my daughter is... I'm assuming this actress was probably 17 or 18 and she's an actress in a movie... Yeah, I'd rather be doing this than 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 whatever else. Oh, my point is, I'm not. My point is, I'm not making taking a moral stance. It's just that I'm surprised. Like, really, no one did, it, did anyone catch that, or is that put it on purpose? No, I think Ivan, it was I put think, there yeah, I think they left it in. Like, oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the editor, Chris Columbus, man, that's exactly what the editor was guy. doing. He was sitting there, nice. <laughs> Chris Columbus is sitting there, just like, yeah, that's high that's five. The shot. <laughs> hey, can I get a copy of that? I just want to review it when I get home. He's just sitting next. He gives the editor, you know, sitting in the giant steam bag. Freaking sweet, bro. Hey, who shot this? Get him in here. That was great. What are they doing? Porky's three in the next room? Forget it. Shot of underpants in this room. Anywho. Um, well, I mean, you you kind of see when the guy's on the toilet, you kind of see dick and balls. No, you don't see anything. He's got like a weird like unitard thing going on. I, I feel like I saw some things I shouldn't have seen. I, I feel like this another 80s trope is like bullies getting attacked in the stall. In toilets. Getting room. a gigantic <laughs> enema, yeah. Anyway, we're digressing too far. Um, <laughs> if you want to find us on the web, uh, closing out this episode, if you want to find us on the web, you can find us at reviewedpodcast.com and you can like us at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. Uh, be sure to send us suggestions for the movies you would like us to review for the show. Um, Michael, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mike Morandi. And uh, my website is MikeMorandi.com. And if you want to see some of my GIF work or GIF work, if you're a snob about it. Jiffy GIF. <laughs> GIF slash GIF. Uh, it's dribble, D-R-I-B-B-B, three Bs, L-E dot com slash Mike Morandi. Dave, what about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. And you can find me at uh, Lucky9Studios.com and on Twitter at Ivan Kander. That's I-V-A-N-K-A-N-D-E-R. She's talking to the mic. There we go. Um, Mm. Yeah. I think that's about it. Uh, Next episode, David. What are we watching? (laughs) Well, we hadn't discussed it, so I'm not quite sure. But I had two ideas, both involving Robert De Niro. Hmm. Uh, Raging Bull. No. Or a taxi driver. It's, uh, well, 40th anniversary. That's De Niro. Thank 40th you. 40th anniversary of Taxi Driver. Wait, what did, what did he say? It's the 40th did you anniversary. Did he say Duvall or De Niro? He said, said De, De Niro. Niro. Oh, I thought you said Duvall. No, no, no. Sorry. It's the 40th anniversary of Taxi Driver, so that's one uh, option. The other option was going to be Midnight Run, which oh. is uh, Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Let's do it. Let's link it up with Joey Pants. I want to do Midnight Run. I've never, Midnight s- Run? never seen it. I've never even heard well, of we it. we got to do Taxi Driver the next go around. So, okay. At some point, okay. I think Lost Boys might be interesting to do with the, with the Corys. All right. All right, sound- Lost Boys should come up soon. All right, sounds good. We will be doing Midnight Run for our next. Also, episode. Days and Confused. I think it might be my next one in the hopper. Oh, but we'll talk because about it later. That, that because Linklater just had another movie that came out. Um, yeah, that's a good call. Um, All right, Midnight Run. Midnight Run. Next movie. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, uh, Goonies never die. That's all. I'm yeah. Say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some do. <laughs> yeah. They show. Sure.